Chapter thirty three of A Son of the Middle Border by Hamlin Garland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The End of the Sunset Trail. In February, while attending a conference of reformers in St. Louis, I received a letter from my mother which greatly disturbed me. I wish I could see you, she wrote. I am not very well this winter. I can't go out very often, and I get very lonesome for my boys if only you did not live so far away there was something in this letter which made all that i was doing in the convention of no account and on the following evening i took the train for columbia the little village in which my parents were spending the winter filled with remorseful forebodings my pain and self-accusation would not let me rest something clutched my heart every time i thought of my crippled mother prisoned in a dakota shanty and no express train was swift enough to satisfy my desire to reach her the letter had been forwarded to me and i was afraid that she might be actually ill that ride next day from sioux city to aberdeen was one of the gloomiest i had ever experienced not only was my conscience uneasy it seemed that i was being hurled into a region of arctic storms a terrific blizzard possessed the plain and the engine appeared to fight its way like a brave animal all day it labored forward while the coaches behind it swayed in the ever-increasing power of the tempest their wheels emitting squeals of pain as they ground through the drifts and i sitting in my overcoat with collar turned high above my ears my hands thrust deep in my pockets silently counted the hours of my discomfort the windows furred deep with frost let in but a pallid half-light thus adding a mental dust to the actual menace of the storm after each station the brakeman re-entered as if blown in by the blast and a vapor white as a shower of flour filled the doorway behind them occasionally as i cleared a space for a peephole through the rimy panes i caught momentary glimpses of a level treeless earth desolate as the polar ocean swept by ferocious elemental warfare no life was to be seen save here and there a suffering steer or colt humped under the lee of a straw stack the streets of the small wooden towns were deserted no citizen was abroad only the faint smoke of chimneys testified to the presence of life beneath the roof trees occasionally a local passenger came in puffing and whistling with loud explosions of excited comment over the storm which he seemed to treat as an agreeable diversion but the conductor who followed threshing his hands and nursing his ears swore in emphatic dislike of the country and climate but even this controversy offered new relief to the through passengers who sat in frozen stoical silence there was very little humor in a dakota blizzard for them or for me at six o'clock that night i reached the desolate end of my journey my father met me at the station and led the way to the low square bleak cottage which he had rented for the winter mother still unable to lift her feet from the floor opened the door to us and reaching her as i did through that terrifying tempest made her seem as lonely as a castaway on some gelid greenland coast father was in unwonted depression his crop had again failed to mature with nearly a thousand acres of wheat he had harvested barely enough for the next year's seed he was not entirely at the end of his faith however 
on the contrary he was filled with desire of the farther west the irrigated country is the next field for development i'm going to sell out here and try irrigation in montana i want to get where i can regulate the water for my crops you'll do nothing of the kind i retorted you'll go no further west i have a better plan than that the wind roared on all that night and all the next day and during this time we did little but feed a stove and argue our widely separated plans i told him of franklin's success on the stage with hearn and i described my own busy though unremunerative life as a writer and as i talked the world from which i came shone with increasing splendor little by little the story of the country's decay came out the village of ordway had been moved away nothing remained but a grain elevator many of our old neighbors had gone to the irrigation country and more were planning to go as soon as they could sell their farms columbia was also in desolate decline its hotel stood empty its windows broken its doors sagging nothing could have been more depressing more hopeless and my throat burned with bitter rage every time my mother shuffled across the floor and when she shyly sat beside me and took my hand in hers as if to hold me fast my voice almost failed me i began to plead father let's get a home together somewhere suppose we compromise on old nationok where you were married and where i was born let's buy a house and lot there and put a deed in mother's name so that it can never be alienated and make it the garland homestead come mother's brothers are there your sister is there all your old pioneer comrades are there it's in a rich and sheltered valley and is filled with associations of your youth haven't you had enough of pioneering why not go back and be sheltered by the hills and trees for the rest of your lives if you'll join us in this plan frank and i will spend our summers with you and perhaps we can all eat our thanksgiving dinners together in the good old new england custom and be happy mother yielded at once to the earnestness of my appeal i'm ready to go back she said there's only one thing to keep me here and that is jessie's grave poor little girl it did seem a bleak place in which to leave her lying alone but the old soldier was still too proud too much the pioneer to bring himself at once to a surrender of his hopes he shook his head and said i can't do it hamlin i've got to fight it out right here or farther west to this i darkly responded if you go farther west you go alone mother's pioneering is done she is coming with me back to comfort back to a real home beside her brothers as i grew calmer we talked of the past of the early days in iowa of the dimmer yet still more beautiful valleys of wisconsin till mother sighed and said i'd like to see the folks and the old coolie once more but i never shall yes you shall i asserted we spoke of david whose feet were still marching to the guidance of the sunset of burton far away on an island in puget sound and together we decided that placid old william sitting among his bees in gill's coolie was after all the wiser man of what avail this constant quest of gold beneath the far horizon's rim father i bluntly said you've been chasing a will-o'-the-wisp for fifty years you've been moving westward and always you have gone from certainty to uncertainty from a comfortable home to a shanty for thirty years you've carried mother on a ceaseless journey 
to what end here you are snowbound on a treeless plain with mother old and crippled it's a hard thing to say but the time has come for about face you must take the back trail it will hurt but it must be done i can't do it he exclaimed i've never backed water in my life and i won't do it now i'm not beaten yet we've had three bad years in succession we'll surely have a crop next year i won't surrender so long as i can run a team then let me tell you something else i resumed i will never visit you on this accursed plain again you can live here if you want to but i'm going to take mother out of it she shall not grow old and die in such surroundings as these i won't have it it isn't right at last the stern old captain gave in at least to the point of saying well we'll see i'll come down next summer and we'll visit william and look the ground over but i won't consider going back to stay till i've had a crop i won't go back to the old valley dead broke i can't stand being called a failure if i have a crop and can sell out i'll talk with you very well i'm going to stop off at salem on my way east and tell the folks that you are about to sell out and come back to the old valley this victory over my pioneer father gave me such relief from my knowing conscience that my whole sky lightened the thought of establishing a family hearth at the point where my life began had a fine appeal all my schooling had been to migrate to keep moving if your crop fails go west and try a new soil if disagreeable neighbors surround you sell out and move always toward the open country to remain quietly in your native place is a sign of weakness of irresolution happiness dwells afar wealth and fame are to be found by journeying toward the sunset star such had been the spirit the message of all the songs and stories of my youth now suddenly i perceived the futility of our quest i felt the value i acknowledged the peace of the old the settled the valley of my birth even in the midst of winter had a quiet beauty the bluffs were draped with purple and silver still blue shadows filled the hollows of the sunlit snow the farmhouses all put forth a comfortable settled homey look the farmers themselves shaggy fur-clad and well-fed came into town driving fat horses whose bells uttered a song of plenty on the plain we had feared the wind with a mortal terror here the hills as well as the sheltering elms which defended almost every roof stood against the blast like friendly warders the village life though rude and slow-moving was hearty and cheerful as i went about the streets with my uncle william gray-haired old pioneers whose names were startlingly familiar called out hello bill adding some homely jest precisely as they had been doing for forty years as young men they had threshed or cradled or husked corn with my father whom they still called by his first name so you are dick's boy how is dick getting along he has a big farm i replied nearly a thousand acres but is going to sell out next year and come back here they were all frankly pleased is that so made his pile i suppose enough to live on i guess i answered evasively i'm glad to hear of it i always liked dick 
we were in the woods together i hated to see him leave the valley how's bell this question always brought the shadow back to my face not very well but we hope she'll be better when she gets back here among her own folks well we'll all be glad to see them both was the hearty reply in this hope with this plan in mind i took my way back to new york well pleased with my plan after nearly a third of a century of migration the garlands were about to double on their trail and their decision was deeply significant it meant that a certain phase of american pioneering had ended that the woods and prairie lands having all been taken up nothing remained but the semi-arid valleys of the rocky mountains irrigation was a new word and a vague word in the ears of my father's generation and had a little of the charm which lay in the flowery savannas of the mississippi valley in the years between eighteen sixty five and eighteen ninety two the nation had swiftly passed through the buoyant era of free land settlement and now the day of reckoning had come End of chapter 33